We'd like to thank our friends at Sleep Number for sponsoring the Thrive Global Podcast. Sleep Number is changing the way we sleep with their latest beds, the Sleep Number 360 Smart Beds. They automatically adjust on each side to keep you sleeping comfortably all night. Discover the difference at sleepnumber.com slash thrive. Hello and welcome to the Thrive Global Podcast on iHeartRadio. My guest today might be the hardest working man in show business, or at least next to James Brown. Mm. Andy Cohen is an Emmy Award winning host and executive producer of Watch What Happens Live with Andy Cohen. He's also the executive producer of Bravo's Real Housewives, the host of his own radio show, the author of four books, including most recently the New York Times bestselling Superficial, More Adventures from Andy Cohen Diaries. He's also the host of Andy Cohen's Then and Now, and now the reboot of Love Connection, and he tours the country with Anderson Cooper as part of their AC2 tour. Andy, I'm thrilled you could be here. Welcome to the Thrive Global Podcast. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And I would like to start with Waka, your dog. Okay, good. That's a great place to start. Because I kind of um, spend a lot of my weekends studying Andy Cohen. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. And you talk a lot about your dog. Yeah. And you say that he rescued you. He did, yeah. So how did Waka rescue you? You know what? He just opened my heart. I've never had a dog in my life. And I, you know, it's very easy to get sick of yourself when you're sitting around talking about yourself and hosting your own show and seeing yourself in the monitor and all this stuff. And I mean, it was just great. I rescued this dog and suddenly it was like, I needed to take care of him, and I, you know, he just opened my heart up, basically, in every way, and uh, he's, he's a great, he's a great companion. Dogs are a great companion. I mean, it's, like, ridiculous. I love what you said about he didn't just open your heart towards him. Mm-hmm. He opened your heart towards people. He did. Actually, I, uh, I got in a relationship I would say, I'm trying to think how long after, well, I probably had him for a year and something, but I mean, I had been going through this long dry spell, but then it was like, you know, I just found myself opening up in ways to, you know, that, that I hadn't before, so which was great. you for a year and then you were ready. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he did. He really did. And the other thing about a dog is you could be, and I don't have many bad days. Uh, I just. I'm that kind of annoying person that doesn't. But when you do, if you have a really, a friend of mine died last year and I was sitting there in tears and the dog, you know, dogs can tell when you're upset and they will come to you and they will try to comfort you. And it's, it's an incredible thing when you have moments where you need to hug a dog and they're there for you. So, I mean, I need a boyfriend is the bottom line. (laughs) Let's get real. So what happened to that relationship? You know what? It was two and a half years and it's over now. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In gay years, that's like seven. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and when did it end? Uh, Last July. So you are now ready? Yes, I'm ready. So you know that Adam Grant and I have started this very select dating list. Oh, my God. So basically, we only include in this list people that we know or that people we trust know directly so it's like wow it's pretty um curated okay and the great thing about it is you know who you fall in love with is magical it's chemistry there's never any real rationale behind it but 
we can promise that you would at least want to be friends with anyone on this Oh, list. that's true. So that's okay. all we can do. You know, all right. we can't guarantee that the person who will fall in love is on it. I will send you the list. I'll okay, good. I had a really good uh, Tinder date last week mm-hmm. that I'm hopeful about. Oh, great. Yeah. Well, let's yeah, see yeah. how it goes. We yeah, don't want see. to interfere with that. Yes, no, but yes. yes. But I'm, if, I'm if it doesn't go well, I will send you that Thank Adam you. Grant, Ariana Huffington special list. Wow, I love it. <laughs> you, are you going to start a dating app? Is that going to be your next thing? No, we were having you dinner could. one night. Right. And we said how we both love setting people up. Oh. And he said, let's put our list together. And uh, and I thought, yeah, this is one of the things you say at dinner. Yeah, right. And who is ever going to do that? And two days later, he sent so me the list idea. with with the links to their profile. Wow, that's amazing. And now we keep adding to it. Mm-hmm. So my daughter right. got somebody from wow. this. So, you know, Bye. we have some success. You're a connector, Ariana. <laughs> I'm, I'm down. So are you, Andy. Yeah. So a couple more things about Waka. Walker has his own Instagram page. He does, so yeah. Do you. So he how does. do you decide what goes on whose page? Well, I mean, he's mainly, look, I, his his photos are mainly all of him. Every yes. so often I sneak one in of us. But mainly I just I just put photos of him with a funny caption. Yes, yes. I know. No, I, I, I follow him. Thank you. And you. Thank you. So Walker and Anderson Cooper Anderson got off on a rough start. They did. He bit Anderson. But I understand why he thought that Anderson was going for his meaty bone. That I, it's kind of a long story, but he did. He thought that Anderson was going for a bone that he was chewing on, but Anderson was really just trying to pet him. So it was territorial, but it was upsetting nonetheless. I thought it was that Anderson was. He thought Anderson was going for you. For me, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Just no, the bone. he didn't. Yes, but he does <laughs> he get can territorial. Share you. No, he does get territorial. If I bring a guy home, he can get a little territorial. But this was the last guy that I was dating. He responded to him the moment that he walked in, and so that was great. I was like, oh, this is a good sign. Yeah, it's a good sign because mm-hmm. he cares for you. Yeah, he exactly. felt that guy was good. That guy for was you, good at for least me. for two and a half years. Exactly. So I feel I could take the whole podcast time listing your jobs. Yeah. So how do you do it? Is there everybody's obsessed now with productivity hacks and productivity mm-hmm. secrets? Is there an Andy Cohen productivity secret? Mine is that I don't do anything that I'm not passionate about that I think, you know, there's a lot of, I, I you mentioned the Sirius thing and I have my own channel at Sirius and they had been talking to me about doing something for them for a while and, that was a big thing that I added, but I realized, okay, how much you, I just look at everything that I take on and say, okay, realistically, how much time is this going to take? And if I can do it and it all seems really overwhelming, but it all just totally fits. And the bottom line is I wouldn't do any of the, I don't do anything that I'm not passionate about. I just feel like passion for me fuels creativity. Mm-hmm. It fuels energy. It fuels engagement. I don't want to wake up in the morning and think, I, uh, I have to do this. And it's one of my jobs that I have to do. Those seven things that you listed, I love each one for a different reason, and that's why I'm doing it. It's or else of, I wouldn't. So I turn down a lot. It's kind of interesting because I'm a big believer in people transitioning to new jobs, jumping to something new, you know, not feeling they have to stay in one thing. The difference with you is that you transition to another thing, but you keep the yeah. thing you transition. Oh, no. I always hold on to. I don't <laughs> let go. I always hold on. All, I don't believe in letting add. go of her. 
There was a moment where I was um, EVP of programming at Bravo while I was hosting Watch What Happens Live, which was really unheard of. But, you know, it was until that I felt that I was going to be broken as a human being from doing both of these jobs that I let go of the programming job. But I do believe in that. And right now uh, I feel like I'm just going to save all of my money. And if I say something you know, we live in a society and a culture that is waiting to be outraged by anything. And I feel like I'm so grateful to Bravo for letting me on live television every night. But at some moment, I'm going to have some slip and say something horribly stupid that is going to be, you know, it's just going to cause panic uh, and outrage. And I'll be trending on Twitter and I'll lose all my jobs and then I'll, you know, just have the money that I'm making now and I'll say, OK, well, that was a great run. I'm now living in disgrace somewhere and I'll write a book, hopefully, in a few years. You know, oh, Andy, that's my that's my master plan. Don't you think we should change the culture? So I that do. People are not so easily outraged. I do. By I, I do. Minor I, things. My relationship with Twitter has really changed this year. I hosted New Year's with Anderson Cooper, and I was on the air for four and a half hours, freezing my tuchus off, and it was the coldest thing in the world. And look, we did our best, and I got off the air, and we got in the car, and I went on Twitter because I hadn't been on all night. And the first thing that I see is I wanted to see if we were trending, which we were, and then under it, there were, you know those curated headlines under Twitter? It says, Twitter hates Andy Cohen on New Year's Eve. And I was like, oh, <laughs> how nice that Twitter has put together uh, 30 of the meanest tweets about me on New Year's Eve that I can scroll through quickly. And I started to look at them. And Anderson's like, what the F are you doing? And I said, well, I'm just looking at this thing. He's like, get off it. Like, stop. And I just took a pause and I said, you know, uh, I'm going to my relationship with Twitter is different because since the election. I have been so involved in the dogfight that is Twitter because politi all we're doing on Twitter is yelling at each other about politics and yelling at each other about how horrible, you know, this headline is. What? And, you know, it's, it's headlines online. Now, it's all clickbait. And if you, you have to read the context in everything. And most people don't. Most people read the headline and decide they're outraged by one thing or another. And so I do a segment on my radio show called Are We Outraged? And it's a list of things that we're supposed to be outraged about today. Are we outraged that this person said that? Are we outraged that that person said this? It's mainly about things that people are saying on social media. So funnily enough, it all comes back to social media. I find this, this culture of outrage. And uh, the Super Bowl halftime show, I watched, I didn't, open Twitter the whole night. And it was like, I was with a group of friends and we all watched Justin Timberlake and we just kind of took it for what it was. And we uh, were like, Oh, okay, that was fun. We liked it. And then, you know, a day later I found out all the reasons I was supposed to hate it. And it's like, you know, take me back to the seventies, man. You know, maybe, you know, let, let everything be a rainbow. What do I care? But I think 2018 is the year when we want to take control back. That's, that's what I'm doing. Yes, and that's what we are advocating for everybody to do at Thrive. Because, you know, the, this constant state of outrage is actually a state from which you cannot be effective at changing anything. That's exactly right. You are right. so depleted and drained just by being right. 
mindlessly outraged at everything. It's true. And you know what? I am, I know I'm outraged by every single thing that Donald Trump tweets. So I'm not going to engage this fool. Like, I'm not going to do it. You know, because that means he wins. Right. So, and also, that you're not advancing anything. I'm, that's the thing. I'm not advancing anything. And it's such easy bait to take for me to tweet something nasty back at him. But it's like, you know what? So now what I've been doing is I've just been tweeting. I've been sending tweets out, but I'm just not engaging. Mm -hmm. I'm not engaging. And I'm not engaging with the people that I follow either. I'm not really reading what they're saying. Yeah, and it's, it's actually made me kind of I'm having a better year as a result, honestly. And I'm sure you're more productive. I think this is also a productivity hack. Yes. Well, no, that's true. <laughs> I have a lot. Uh, you know what? It's funny. When you take Twitter out of the occasion, now we all spend way too much time on our phones. Definitely. But, and we all have a loop of, of apps that we look at. So for me, it was Twitter, then Instagram, then the New York Post app, then my emails, you know, and then you're going around in a circle Take Twitter out. That's a good, you know, I'm go, I'm like, okay, well, I guess I have to go to bed now, you know? <laughs> so you have a Samsung Galaxy phone still? Or? No. No? Have you iPhone. have an iPhone? Yeah. Because we launched an app, a Thrive app on Samsung Galaxy and oh, all Android. Cool. Which gives you um, a dashboard of all your app consumption. So it tells you oh, how much it. time oh, you are God. spending oh. on each app. And oh, that's you can decide to put limits so you can decide to reduce your time That's on Instagram. That's smart. That's smart because Apple is trying to kill us all, basically, and make us all idiots. And we need to fight the power, man. Why are we letting Apple rule our lives? And we have. The Why are we doing this? We have the power to, to take back control. We yes. just need to do it. And ironically, technology can help us manage our relationship with technology better. Right, yes, the, I like the, it. The other thing we did, and it's going to be available on your iPhone in five months. Okay. You can put your phone in thrive mode. Let's say you're having dinner with the next uh -huh. amazing guy you're How going to meet. How about you're just having dinner with a friend? Yeah, and you you're having dinner with a friend, and you, but you shouldn't even be distracted yes. by the presence of your phone. Yes. You put it in thrive mode. If I text you while you're in thrive mode, I'll get a text back that says, Andy's in thrive mode until such and such I a time. I love it. So it's bi-directional, and we can begin to shift the culture. And Ariana is branding <laughs> me time. It's amazing. Me time. It's and good. also deep work. Time. You know, you're writing your book. Wouldn't it be nice not to be distracted and yes. constantly be checking? Well, you need to have porn breaks when you're writing a book, Yeah, Ariana. breaks are okay. Yes. You can uh, absolutely schedule. I, I did. Yes. You can okay. schedule your porn breaks. Yes, okay, good. It's just that you don't want to be distracted while you're... You can finish the chapter, yes. give yourself a gift of a porn break. Yes, okay. But not during the chapter. Right? No, well, sometimes you need the inspiration. Okay, we'll negotiate yes. that. Okay. So let's now talk sleep. Okay. Because you have said some really bad things about sleep, Andy Cohen. Oh, you no. have said oh, gosh. that you um, you didn't move to New York to sleep. Well, that's true. That's that a great thing. that you hadn't really gotten a good night's sleep in 25 years. Okay, that is... Old, I hope. That's old. I, I I have been sleeping better. You know, January, by the way, of, of this, I'm starting to shoot a new season of Love Connection in March. And I also have a bunch of reunion shows in March. So what that means is I'm trying to slim down a little bit for the first few months of this year. Great. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm on a good thing and I'm not drinking much. So I am, you know, when you don't drink, you sleep better. Great. Yes. 
and you dream. I had two crazy Trump dreams last week. Really? Yes. Well, one was I saw him in a hallway of the Delano Hotel in Miami, which is hilarious. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to be faced with this fool. Am I going to be nice to him or what am I doing? And then I was like, yeah, I was nice to him, which was interesting to me because I don't know. And then the other one was I don't know if he ran Bravo. He wasn't the president, but he was the president of Bravo, maybe. And he was having to call all the New York housewives to like schmooze them. (laughs) And I was standing there next to him. And this is a position I've been in maybe 10 years ago when I was sitting with Lauren Zelaznik, who ran Bravo. And it's like, okay, can you call all the housewives and thank them for a great season? You know, whatever you do when you're (laughs) running a channel. And so Trump was calling all of the New York housewives. And he anyway, he called the first three. And I'm like, you have to call Bethany now. And he was somehow putting off calling (laughs) Bethany Frankel. And then I woke up. That's amazing. It's weird. And I woke up to a text from Bethany. I said, you'll never guess what I was just dreaming. Wow. Anyway. And you, and if you had not gotten enough sleep, you would never have remembered these dreams. Is that true? Yes, because you yeah. have to get a certain amount of sleep. Oh, you that's have to so go, interesting because I have, have been remembering my cycle. dreams. Okay, we're now going to take a quick break to share a sleep tip brought to you by our sponsor, Sleep Number. Because sleep makes the difference for a thriving mind, body, and soul. Today's sleep tip is to exercise regularly. Even when you have a jam-packed day, try taking a longer route to your subway stop or take the stairs instead of the elevator or park at the outer edge of the parking lot. Or if you can, set up a walking meeting at work. The key is making exercise a habit. Rather than trying to add an occasional long workout to our day, which demands a big-time commitment, try exercising just 20 or 30 minutes at least five days a week. Exercise is so beneficial to sleep and overall health that we should attempt to fit it in whenever our lives allow. And remember, a little goes a long way. This sleep tip was brought to you by Sleep Number, the bed that knows you, senses you, and adjusts to you. Only at sleepnumber.com slash thrive. I have been sleeping very well lately, so you'll be happy to know. And you know that getting enough sleep is also... The most amazing thing you can do for losing weight. Oh, okay. Well, I didn't know that. But here's something that also, because I've been working out a lot, and here's something that I've been doing, which I think that you are probably a big advocate of. And I know Bill Clinton claimed was a a big part of his presidency, which is the 20-minute nap in the the late afternoon. And I've been doing that. And it's because I watch what happens live is live at 11 at night at around 5 or 6 Sometimes I start crashing right. and I'll take a 20 minute nap and it's actually, it's, it's very invigorating. It makes all the difference. It, it I mean, does. Winston Churchill coined the term power nap. Yeah. And it helped him win the second world war. I so there's something that. good about it. Yes, there is. We have a, um, a nap room at the Thrive Global office with a nap pod and I a actually. Nap pod? Yes, which is like. Do you it has clean a, the nap pod? Oh, yeah. yeah but okay. also it has like a, a privacy visor. So yeah. even if you don't have a dedicated room, yeah. you can put it anywhere. And nap people pod, book privacy it. visor. I mean, it's you really good. live in your own universe. It's not you? my own universe. It's going it. to be everybody's universe. Yes. I predict that in the next two years, nap rooms in offices are going to be as common as boardrooms. Wow. Because you have it makes perfect sense. Who wants exhausted employees? Or you know, especially since we're all slaves to the companies that we work for, 
And because of these phones that we're all beholden to, we're working 24-7, so you should be able to nap at work. But also, we need to stop being hooked to our phones 24-7. We really do. Because it it totally affects not just our health and our decision-making, but our mental health. I agree. So that's another campaign. But I didn't move to New York to sleep, I will say. No, but here's the thing. Sleep makes everything else better. No, I know. Nobody, you know. It's more a testament to New York, me saying I didn't move to New York to sleep. I understand. The city that never sleeps. It means if there's an opportunity for something fun, then I like to take the opportunity. Or something that I think, wow, this is a a once-in-a-lifetime moment. Or I'm in New York City and someone, you know, it's 1130 and you think you're going to bed and someone texts you and says, I'm around the corner. Will you meet me for a drink? And it's like, oh, my God, I would love to see you. I'll go out. Like, that's my. And I I would go out if I can delay what time I get up in the morning. Yeah. All right. Okay. So you see what I'm saying? I understand. um, What I've discovered and it's backed up by science is that when I get all the sleep I need, I'm. So much better the next day. I'm yeah. more creative. I have more fun. Yep. So everything is better. 100%. So it's not like a sacrifice. Yeah. And when I actually you mentioned Bill Clinton, he yeah. he famously said that the biggest mistakes he made he made when he was sleep deprived. Oh wow. So you know who knows yeah. how many how much sleep he got the night before Monica and the blue dress, which yes. you know don't we all wish he had gotten a good eight hour sleep? We do. I know. Another story. It is. So, do you think we can do a Bravo reality show where I give you a sleep intervention over the course of a series? I think we need to make. We have to pitch that to Bravo. We need to make sleep sexy and cool. Right. The same way we are making disconnecting from your phone sexy and cool. All these things. Well, I think sleep is sexy and cool. It is. Mm -hmm. I'm a major cuddler. I love to cuddle. I'm a big spoon. Great. And do you sleep naked? I do. But Great. naked. But naked. And 100%. is it like a condition of being with someone that they sleep naked too? Or are you? Um, I would allow my sleep partner to choose w- what they sleep in. Mm-hmm. It's not a condition. But I don't want to be accused of anything, making someone sleep naked with me. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a preference. Right. PJs boxers, whatever they want. Right. Yeah. And as long as they don't wear the same stuff when they work out. Well, absolutely. I don't mean, I don't no, mean, I would like the them to be day. wearing something clean. And not just clean, but different. Yes. I think you need dedicated sleepwear or sleeping yeah. naked. Oh, okay. That's, that's what I believe. So right. that you, your brain doesn't get confused. Yes. Are we going to the gym? Yeah, right. Where are we going with this? <laughs> or are we spooning with Andy? Yes. So is your bedtime still around 2.30 a.m.? Well, it is. Look, I do. Watch What Happens Live is live at 11. So it's the only live show in late night. And so I get home, um, you know, usually depending on what's happening after the show, usually I'm home around midnight. So what's interesting is if I'm not, we do have cocktails on the show. If I'm not drinking, I go to bed a lot earlier then if I am drinking, of course, because you have energy, you're awake, the sugar, whatever. Um, but, you know, if you're hosting a live show, it's hard to wind down. You don't yes. get off the air and then immediately roll go over and go to bed. So, I, you know, on average, I get to bed around two. Yeah. I don't watch TV much. I try to read uh, as much as I can. Reading before bed, I absolutely love. 
but I'm the guy who never wants to put the book down. So that will actually cause me to, to keep staying up. What kind of books do you read in bed? I like kind of sweeping narrative fiction. So not related to work. No. That's great. Oh, no, 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 great. no, no. No, but I'll read a, uh, I love biographies. Yes. Yeah. So do you have like a little ritual? Um, like do you have a shower or a bath? Before bed? Yeah. No. It's really good. It slows I, down your brain. Yeah, I'm sure it does. I do. I have a steam shower and there was a, a time last year where I was taking a steam every night before bed, which it's was good, isn't it? Incredible. It's just it like washes away the day. Yes, you're right. Uh, I also have a great tub. I love a tub. I love a bath. A little candle. little candle. Music. Usually what I do is I get home from my show, put on the Grateful Dead, snuggle with my dog, look at my phone or read, and go to bed. And does your phone sleep with you? Unfortunately, it sleeps on my nightstand. And I know that it should sleep in the other room. It should sleep alone. Yeah, it should sleep alone. I should leave it on my desk. My issue is that I use my phone as my alarm clock, which is no good. I'm going to buy you an alarm clock. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Pottery Barn, $35. Okay. It looks Do, lovely. Right. Um, I will just get myself an alarm clock because I have very specific taste, and I don't want to offend you if I don't like the one that you get. <laughs> okay, I'll get you yeah. a Tiffany's alarm clock. <laughs> no, it's, it's not about, it's just I'm very finicky cat. Okay. But I need an alarm clock is Can what you we're send me a at. picture of your alarm yes, clock? Yes, okay. I'll Instagram it. Okay. I'll say this is Andy's alarm yes, clock. Yes, okay. And also, I'm going to give you a phone bed. It's a charging station that yeah. looks like a phone bed. It uh-huh. can live outside your bedroom. Yeah. And for me, it's my ritual. Right. When I put my, I turn my phone you off, I put, put it in its bed, bed wow. and I tuck it in. It has a little blankie. That's so cute. You tuck it in. That's cute. And then, it's, I know it sounds silly, but human beings love rituals. Uh-huh. And we learn by rituals. And putting your phone away is hard. Yep. So when you have so a little bed. if you put it bed, to bed, it's a sweet little thing. It's so thing. much easier. That's a great idea. And it has room for 10 phones and iPads. So you and your wow, so loved like one. And when group. you have kids, wow. your kids, when you have an orgy, you know, everybody can put their right. phones there. Let me say this to you. If I were, let's just hypothetically say that I'm going to host an orgy at my house. Yeah. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that everybody's not sleeping over. Okay, so I'm not right. going to need to put the But during the orgy, you know, do you know that 20... 20- oh, put the phones to bed before the orgy. Oh, okay, fair Here's enough. Here's the thing. You know that 20% of people look at their phones during sex. Well, that is insane. But it happens. I don't doubt it. So I think really if you're going to have a... If someone looked at their phone during sex with me, I would be, would be very upset. That would be the end of it. Yeah. So I think there should be some some kind of ground rules of a good orgy, and one of them should be putting your phone away. Well, also, well, by the way, I think that already is one because you wouldn't want any photos. As I'm thinking, oh, this through, good so point, yeah, yeah, yeah. good point. I hadn't even thought of that. I just wanted people yeah. to be fully present. No, I'm saying and creative. Yes, let's keep this between ourselves. Okay, exactly. We to think this way. Absolutely. I'm always thinking of what's going to end my career, Ariana. I know, but I wish it stop that. You know what? Negative fantasy. I know it's terrible. I've asked the president of Bravo many times. I'm like, "What do you think it's going to (laughs) be? That's going to take me down? Is it going to be drugs? Is it going to be a sex scandal? What is it? What is going to happen?" So 
So I, I, you know, Montaigne had this great quote that I love. He said, there were many terrible things in my life, but most of them never happened. Right. So I have a feeling that anything ending your career is one of those negative fantasies that will never happen. Listen, I hope it is. Anderson Cooper's a catastrophist and it's wearing off on me. Yeah, but I'm the opposite. What's yeah. the opposite of I'm an optimist. Well, yes. I am a total optimist. Mm-hmm. I am. But, you know, part of me is I am truly, I am so grateful for everything that's happened to me in my career that I would like to say that if for some reason it does go away, that I can be like, wow, what a great, what a great thing that was. If it does go away, it means that there's something else even better. There you go. Coming. It's there like, you go. again. You know what? I want to work at a, at a bar on a beach on an island. Mm. So maybe that's going to be, you know, that could be my third chapter. Who knows? Yes, I actually love an Instagram that you posted with Waka chilling on a beach. Yeah. And having that time alone. Yes. Silent. Yes. Nothing brings me more calm and happiness than a beach. So why don't you try and have more beach time with Waka? I do. <clears throat> I, I do as much as I can. Trust me. Yeah. And let's start living life as though everything is rigged in our favor. What about that? I agree. Well, I do. Okay. I mean, no I do. More catastrophizing. Trust me, I'm, not a, I'm not a downer. I'm not a downer. I'm an upper. No, I know that. I know that. But, I'm a you know, sativa, not an indica. I know, but you mentioned twice this ending of your career. I know, I know. And I, know. And I, I, I think little... we should just put that Well, because I'm bed. watching these things evaporate. I'm watching these titans of, of, of media and entertainment just disappearing. Well, and... also, I think this is a moment. And I think sooner rather than later, we're going to get to the truth that life is about redemption. Yes. And if we just basically say that people can are irredeemable, yes, it goes also right against all that we liberals believe, right? I mean, we believe that hard, hardened criminals can leave jail and be redeemed, right? Right. So we can't lose that sense of redemption. Mm-hmm. We need we need to reintroduce it into the conversation. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But I understand there's been a long time when people got away with terrible behavior, yeah. so the reckoning has to take its course. Yep, and then be reintegrated with the redemption part. Yeah. I'm sure you're going to be a big part of that because you believe in that. And I think that also is going to help all the crazies on social media who can only be negative about everything. I agree. A few more things about your all your well-being routines. Okay. Like you've called your trainer a ninja. So what does he yeah, do? Yeah, well, my trainer, I now have a different trainer. My, my, my trainer was a ninja. I mean, he... He's the littlest ninja. He's this little, he's just a muscle. He's just a muscle. But he taught me Muay Thai and uh, like kickboxing and um, boxing and fighting. And he's just amazing. And you do something every day? Well, right now, my schedule has settled down to the point, and I'm on this major fitness thing where it's gonna. It's getting crazy in a few weeks, but yeah, I've been I've been working out four or five days a week every day of 2018, and that's been really really good. And what's been you know really good is I've been putting everything into it because a lot of times I'll go and I'll phone it in. Yes, but yeah. now especially because you're getting more sleep, I'm trying. Yes, that right. Yes, then your workouts are better. You don't crave sugars and carbs as much. Right. So it's all like virtuous. Yes. circle instead of a vicious vicious one yes. so yes. you also have said that what wellness means to you is taking care of your body yeah so what about your mind Do well you meditate i know you got 
to I, the beach, which helps. Yeah, I, you know, I don't really meditate, and mm-hmm. I should. I started to do yoga this year, which uh, was my resolution, and I have done it like five or six times. And you like it? Which is good, and I like it, and it's meditative. I mean, it's definitely a form of meditation. It I is, mean, especially because you focus on your breathing. Exactly, yeah. which I wasn't doing whatsoever. And I mean, just Well, you were one... doing it, but you're not focusing exactly. on it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was breathing. Uh, but but it really, boy, after one yoga session, I was like, I was breathing differently. I was like, wow, I'm taking deeper breaths. Uh, it was good. And you feel that oxygen. I mean, it just, it, it lifts you up. So uh, And what's amazing is that all the new neuroscience shows us that even if we take like 60 seconds of conscious breathing mm-hmm. in the middle of the day, yeah. it reduces the stress levels. I just took a thing and now I want to yawn. Uh, That's good. Yes, yawning no, is yawning super is good. Yawning is I'm a great. major yawner, by the way. Great. And I yawn, I'm not at all offended if you I, yawn. No, well, trust me. I will yawn in the middle of a housewives reunion while someone <laughs> is having a mental breakdown, and they break out of it, and they look at me, and they're like, am I boring you? I'm like, no, I'm just a yawner. I apologize. <laughs> Once Charlize Theron came and pitched me a show, and I gave it, let out a big yawn in the middle. She goes, you are the first man to yawn in my face. <laughs> I think since I was a little girl, I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm gay. I'm a yawner and I'm gay. (laughs) Yeah. So how do you deal with stress other than yawning Uh, and breathing? Good. You know what? I just, I I just power through it. When I have to power through something, I power through it. It's funny with all this stuff. I don't feel stressed that I'm not a stressed person. I stress. Usually it just gives me energy. I just, it makes me a little hyper and I just, you know, I just charge through it. So even even with all the outrage going on? Well, sometimes, I mean, I think that if I read something particularly horrible about myself or someone says something horrible about me, then that will bring me stress. And that has brought me stress. I, I mean, I think reading that thing on Twitter after New Year's brought, brought me stress, stress. And it made me, um, it, it, it brought me tumult in my it, it put me off center. Yes. And so how I dealt was with that was, um, I mean, the second thing I, I, you know, I called my mom the next day and I said, you're my best critic. Like, was it horrible? Like she goes, no, I really liked it. Mm-hmm. So that made me feel better. And then, uh, I just had to recalibrate what it just made me think about social media. You know? And and it led to something great. And it led to something really, really good. Yes. And then the news came out that it was the highest rated New Year's on CNN. And I was like, can I say the F word on this podcast? <laughs> yes. I was like, fuck everybody. <laughs> yeah. You know what is interesting? For me, kind of a barometer of my progression as a human being has been how do I react to negative press or negative comments? Yeah. I never believed in in what they call like uh, growing a thick skin. Uh-huh. What I like is, have you ever watched a child get upset? Uh-huh. And they get really upset, and then two minutes later they're smiling. Gone. Yeah. So I think I think for me it pref- I prefer just being upset, but getting unupset quickly. Yes. So it's like not clinging to the a hundred percent. And you know I have to say I'm very. If you're on social media and in the public eye, you are used to people saying horrible things to you. I mean, and really, I was talking actually on the Tinder date. The guy said, why do you read that website? Don't they say mean things about you? And I go, yeah, but it doesn't, it usually, it really doesn't 
penetrate get me. to you. Yes. Yeah. Usually if it's especially mean, I think it's really funny. And I'll retweet it. I mean, it's like, you know, people can be very creative in their In their meanness. Yeah. Yes. Now, you've published It's two... fun to be able to laugh at, you know. <laughs> oh, it's so much fun. It is. I mean. My, my favorite um, leader and my favorite leadership quality, my favorite leader is Marcus Aurelius. Okay. Who was the emperor of Rome and a Stoic philosopher. And he dealt with plagues and... Um, betrayals and an unfaithful wife and a plague and everything you can yeah. imagine. And he managed to maintain his center. Uh-huh. And my favorite quality is imperturbability. Uh-huh. You know, just being able to deal with everything yeah. without Anderson's that way. being shaken. Yeah. But you said he's a cat- catastrophe. He is, but he's but An imperturbable he, it's very hard to, yeah. I mean, that's why he can just go in these war zones constantly. I mean, he's very... Um, Unflappable. Yeah, he is. Yeah. I love the fact that you were originally introduced possibly As a blind to date. date each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I screwed that up. You did? Yeah, I did. What do you mean? I, because I was like, oh my God, your mom's Gloria Vanderbilt, which is like breaking <laughs> his cardinal rule. And I didn't even have a question or comment about it. I was just like, he's like, yeah. I was like, I wanted to date the Vanderbilt boy. I did. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but but now we're better it's off this great way. Romance. Yeah, no, it's a great. It's a great, it's a great friendship. It's a, a great friendship. Which and is, he's been such a, he's he's such a loyal friend and he, he's the best. And I think there's nothing better than this close friendships when you can be totally vulnerable with Especially each other. Especially for someone who is in the same, I mean, obviously we do two completely different shows, but he's, you know, we're both on live television yes. every night and there's very few, you know, Kelly Ripa's been a great kind of, uh, sounding board for me too and it's like there's very few people who are on live television every day who can be like oh yeah something like that happened to me or or here's how i dealt with it or whatever yeah you have your little tribe yeah yeah so your diaries yes you've published two volumes i did yeah and um you said that they are both based on andy warhol's diary yeah he was the inspiration that was the inspiration i love the warhol diaries they came out right when i moved to new york and it was a window into a world that I could only imagine living in. And then now I'm living in a world that is kind of similar to that. And so I was like, I have to write this stuff down. Uh, so I did. And it became existentially exhausting reporting on the details of my life for publication every day. So I stopped doing it. I did it for three years straight. And it's cool. And I'm so glad that that exists as kind of a pop culture artifact just for myself. But uh, it's... I. I can't do it again in the same form. It could be probably different. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it will be. But I think one of the reasons I stopped writing it it was that my relationship was getting, I realized this guy I was dating could potentially be a real thing. And I was like, I'm not going to start reporting on this relationship in a book. It's not, I want to live my life. So maybe you can, the next anti-coin diaries, maybe they can be the inner diaries. Yes, maybe. I mean, describing I, your mental state. I know, but I mean, my God, are people interested in that? Yeah, oh. very. I mean, that's the side guys now. Right. We oh. want more inner, more vulnerable. Right. More chilling on the beach with Waka. Right. Okay. You know. All right. Think about it. Thought starter. It's another idea. Now yes. you don't have a lot on your plate. Thank you. So. I know. Yeah, I'm ready to. <laughs> I'm, I want to take some more on. So let me end by asking you about you as a boss. 
Okay. Because an employee said once that he'd never seen you raise your voice to her and that you never throw anybody under the bus. And she told the story of when she had forgotten to tell you an event was a black tie event and you wore a mint green suit. Maybe that was the event when you presented me when I wore that parcel. It was. It was. <laughs> you looked great. I, I remember that's now. That's my <laughs> assistant. It was a black tie event and she didn't tell me. And I show up. And by the way, it was a beautiful spring night. I wore a mint green suit. amazing. But I mean, I was the guy. And then GQ wrote a thing the next day, a a, a, a blistering critique of my mint green suit. No. That black tie. Yes, absolutely. But it's so funny. Me as a boss, uh, you know what? I try to inspire. Watch What Happens Live. We have no drama on that show. And I think it's all fun. It's 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 a team environment. There's no bad idea. I, I'm very much a regret of my professional career has been I get credit as being the guy who came up with the Housewives. And I'm really not the guy that came up with the Housewives. And I say it as much as I can, but it will always be attached to me because it was a team effort. And there's people at Bravo who who I was with at the time. And, and that's really what that was. And so I think one of the things that I learned at Bravo that I think was uh, really crucial to the huge run of success that we had and are still having is that each member of the team knew what their role was. And we all knew what the common goal was. And you can't, Nothing can function if it's if everyone's not functioning together in the same effort. And we had a great we had great leadership at the time. And it was Lauren Zelaznik, who I think, you know, and Francis Barrick, who's still there now. And it was like uh, we figured out what our brand was. And there's something so strong. You know what Thrive is. You knew what the Huffington Post was. There's it's so powerful to know what the brand you're creating is and to be able to feed that brand as a group. And then, um, because once you know that everything else is kind of, there's this huge stress lifted and and you're like, yes, that works. That works. Let's do it. Let's do it. And then everyone can kind of work together. So, uh, that was a huge lesson I learned. I also learned to learn from our failures. You can't beat, I've, I've had so many failures in my life you know, professionally that you just have to learn from them and move on. And you can't judge people just based on their one success or their Mm -hmm. one failure, because the next thing around the corner may not be the same. And we just have to learn from everything. And you know, my assistant who had that screw up with the black tie thing, um, look, she's still who she is. So I, so I was humiliated one night. Big deal. It's so funny because I, I thought you you are Andy Cohen and you can turn up in a mint green right. suit at a black tie fan. I mean, well, I did. I mean, and by the way, second time that's happened because I went with Sarah Jessica to uh, this event at Carnegie Hall and I was wearing a denim suit and it was a black yeah. tie thing. And I walked in, I was like, oh my God, are you <laughs> kidding me right now? I hadn't read the invite. Maybe you should start wearing black tie everywhere. Maybe I should. Or maybe I should read the invitations. Two options. Or maybe you should just make wearing denim in at a black tie event. Yes, food. the thing. Exactly. It might be. And the Trumps. Yes. You had said that they would make a good reality show. Well, we're living it. 
I know. It's, but I mean, it's a you, horrific reality show, but we're living it. But at some point, he's no show. longer going to be in the White House. Yes. So would you ever pick up the I phone think we've seen and, enough. and suggest it? I think we've no. seen enough. You we've think we're done? I don't want to see another moment. Yes. And we are going to see a lot more. More moments. And what is interesting is that I think a lot of delusioned people who were sitting there reading Nate Silver every day, which said, oh, there's an 82% chance that Hillary's going to win today. Oh, oh my God, Hillary. Oh, it's down to 70% that Hillary's going to win every day. I mean, I was basing my my resting heart rate on the percent chance that Nate Silver said that Hillary was going to win the election, which was pretty much always over 70%. And then the joke was on us. And I remember on election night getting these bulletins. The New York Times says there's a 20% chance that Hillary's going to win. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing to my head? Like, when did this happen? Like, and why am I believing you now? Like, what, what, what have I been doing for the last year? It was another tremendous waste of time. The amount of time I wasted on Nate Silver's site. And I think Nate Silver is amazing. But it just, so the answer is, oh, wait, why am I? Oh, so but what I was saying is the whole time I kept saying, I can't wait for election day because I'm never going to have to see Trump again. And I will never. And even though he'll be around, I will never actually have to pay him any attention or invest in anything he says because he will be inconsequential. Jokes on me. Yeah. For now. Yes. But I get your point. Yeah. Once he's out of the White House, you don't need no. to I see anymore. Good. I think we see it. Yeah. Yeah. I think we see it. Absolutely. Andy, thank you so much. Thank you. That was so great. Thank you. I love and talking to you. I love talking to you. I'm going to think about you. my sleep and I'm going to put my phone to bed. Amazing. Yeah. And then write something about it because uh, you have no idea how many people you can help. Well, you know what? It's funny because on New Year's Eve, I said that one of my resolutions was last time on my phone. That's so, amazing yeah. because I think we are all shifting the culture. We're mm -hmm. all realizing that we've paid a heavy price by being always on, addicted to our phones, by minimizing the importance of sleep. And now we are course correcting. Yep. And the way to course correct faster is to have people who are admired, who are busy, who are productive, who are successful. Right, who are proving that are it can be done. Who are proving that it yes. can be done. We had Jeff Bezos write a piece on Thrive, and the headline was, Why am I getting eight hours of sleep? is good for Amazon shareholders. Wow. And he made the connection between being fully recharged and the quality of his decisions. Right. And he said, the future of Amazon depends on the quality of my decisions, wow. not on how many hours I'm at my desk. Right. So we are collecting people like that who are in the arena, mm -hmm. who are proving there is another way to succeed. Interesting. Which is healthier and happier. Mm -hmm. So thank you, Andy Cohen, for you, being Ariana. our guest. And to everybody it. for listening. <laughs> Be sure you subscribe to the Thrive Global podcast with iHeartRadio on your and, favorite and while you're app. while you're subscribing to a podcast, subscribe to the Watch What Happens Live podcast. We just launched this year, and it's great. Absolutely, make great sure podcast. you do both at yes. the same time, and yeah. stay tuned to ThriveGlobal.com and iHeartRadio for updates on new episodes. And what else should they stay tuned on? Watch What Happens Live, Real Housewives. Love Connection coming this summer. Radio Andy on Sirius XM. AC2. AC2. Let's go to AC2 Live. We're in uh, Boston. This year, uh, Boston sold out. Oh. Chicago sold out. We're in Orlando, Charlotte. 
Toronto, uh, and a whole bunch more coming up. I'm forgetting. Athens, Greece, maybe. Oh, that'd be great. That would be fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. The Thrive Global Podcast is grateful to our sponsor, Sleep Number. If you aren't sleeping well, it could be your mattress. The Sleep Number bed lets you adjust each side to your ideal comfort, and it contours to your head, neck, shoulders, and hips, relieving pressure points. Discover the difference at sleepnumber.com slash thrive.